Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Star Guys, a podcast about Stargirl on the CW. I am merely a star guy, Alex. I, too, a star guy, lost in the darkness of space for so long, but returned. Star guy. I'm Pete. And on this episode of Star Guys, we are going to be talking about DC Stargirl Season 2, Episode 1, Summer School, Chapter 1. So, if you haven't watched subheading. it, <laughs> subheading on the CW asterisk no longer on DC universe, just so you know. So if you haven't watched the episode, go watch it, of course, because we're going to have plenty of spoilers here as we jump into it. But before we talk about the episode proper and all the plot lines that happened, uh, I'm curious to hear from you. Actually, let me do a quick recap just in case we touch on any of this stuff. But picking up after season one, Courtney and the new Justice Society of America, the Young Justice Society of America, have beaten the Injustice Society of America and saved Blue Valley. So that's where we're picking up here. But there's still a couple of dangling plot lines. While Courtney was triumphant, Yolanda, a.k.a. Wildcat, ended up killing Brainwave, one of the big bad guys. So she's dealing with that. Beth's goggles cracked, so she is no longer able to talk to Charles McKnighter, the original Dr. Midnight, and Rick, a.k.a. Our Man, beat Grundy, but let him go. And that's something Mm. that he hasn't told everybody, I think, but is still grappling with as well. Shiv, uh, who, a.k.a. Cindy Berman, who is Courtney's arch enemy, was left for dead, but as we know from the end of the season, is not in fact dead. But in fact, went through the storage locker or whatever it is of, oh my gosh, the wizard is the wizard of the magician. Uh, the wizard, I believe. The wizard. Sure. Why not? Let's say it is. <laughs> Nobody correct us. And found the Black Diamond, the home of Eclipso, which is the big bad guy that we seem to be dealing with, at least based on the first episode here. The other things you need to know is that Mikey got a paper route. 
That's pretty much it. <laughs> well, I the name of this show is Star Mikey, I think, the rest of the season is what we're li- leading up to here, which is uh, a problem for me. Yes. Well, let's get to that in a second. There are actually a couple of other little dangling things we need to talk about. Uh, the biggest one is that Joel McHale showed up again as the original Starman, Sylvester Pemberton, towards the end of the last season. And he pops up here again this episode. And, uh, yeah, uh, we also got a little tease of the shade who doesn't show up here. Another villain slash anti-hero who is going to show up this season. So that's a big thing with the recap out of the way. I'm sure there's more things we'll touch on, but let's get broad strokes. We love the first season. Yes. Went so much harder than it needed to. I know it's hard to judge just on a first episode here, but I'm curious to get your guys take on what you think as we get into season two, Pete, I know. It's a little bit mixed, so I'm curious to get his take. But, Justin, let's go with you first. A little bit mixed, Pete. I'm shocking. How would you do that to Amy Smart? Um, you're really trying to threaten oh, don't her. Do, don't, I just don't. can't believe you would do that to Amy Smart. Don't, it's just don't. really I'm surprised <laughs> to hear that from you. Hey, don't, but honestly, don't take a minute. In, don't come in shooting like that. Come on, man. I'm Build just saying. Up to I'm, it. Give I'm, me a chance. I, I'm shocked you would say that to your girl, Amy Smart. Don't. Um, har- truly heartbreaking. Uh this this is an interesting pilot. It felt this felt like almost like an epilogue episode at the end of season one in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Really, just seamlessly picking up on all the threads without a lot of um, hey, remember this happening. And everyone is very much in their separate places, uh, feeling feels almost purposefully like the the Justice Society, the Young Justice Society, is sort of not into being a team. There, when the little mission they're on in this in this first episode. They're like, this sucks, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> um, which I get. Uh, work sucks. Um, so it does feel like it's uh, a seamless pickup, and we're setting up the, the the summer school aspect of it. feels very fun. So, yeah, what, I guess all in all, I liked it. What about you, Pete? So here's the thing. Like, I was – Here's the thing. You hate such, Amy Smart. No, don't. don't yes, hate Mikey. Don't, don't, don't like put, Luke Wilson don't, anymore. Don't blast me but like that. But you liked everything else, so that's why you're mixed, don't, right? Don't don't blast me like that. Okay. I, less less the, Luke Wilson, I think we can all agree. <laughs> here's the thing, okay? So I was very excited for most of season one. All of a sudden, season two, it kind of starts slower than I would like and forgets what it is a little bit. Like, Mikey doesn't eat anything in this episode at all. What <laughs> the fuck? Is going on and like, uh, also like, they're just it, the team doesn't like it, it. Acts like the team hasn't gone through this crazy shit together. They're strangers to each other. All of a sudden, it's just was a slow start. And I was like, come on though, like let's get going. And then we got this kind of like new guy who's partners with the shop who's already like working on the robot. And it's just Zeke. like, yeah, I Zeke. thought. Uh, this and is also, getting too much into it. There oh, is God. a creepy doll in here that there should be some kind of warning. Like that was insanely creepy doll, uh, uh, and I wasn't ready for that at all. I, I, yeah, this show it did so many different things at once, and then walked away. And I was like, "What happened?" And then someone had a headshot of Mikey. Like all of a sudden, he's the bad guy. Like what? Well, he just got cast in Star Girl. Yeah, yeah. I don't really understand. Exciting. I mean, if we want to talk about that, I know this is the end of the of episode, but the note I wrote down is Cindy is going to recruit Mikey. I'm dying. Like I, that was legitimately the funniest thing this episode could be is Mikey's going to be a bad guy and part yeah. of the well, new young ISA. 
And the fact that it's sort of like, well, he was really good with that truck last season. <laughs> yeah. He's a definitely a future villain in the making. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a truck man. He's going to be a transformer, yeah. I think. Who can all right, Pete? You also yeah. love Transformers. Yeah, true, he's going to be a Decepticon, true. probably. Yeah, the, he's going to be like, kind of like. I'm in- going to get you, Optimus Prime. <laughs> the intro to like summer school and the song and stuff like that, like that was fun. That was kind mm-hmm. of like a fun moment. Well, I do think like they're building up the what they did last season with the the getting the gang together vibe. Yeah, like the gang is separate. So like to be able to do that again will be fun with the addition of a Green Lantern. A thunderbolt, Zeke, uh, or a thunder. Excuse me. Like mm-hmm. it's we're we're doing the whole thing again. You were right about a thunderbolt. Jakeem Thunder and the Thunderbolt right. oh, right, are going right, to right. both show up. So Joe McHale. I, I think, as usual, I'm kind of halfway between you guys. Though it seems like we all kind of liked it. There, it feels like there's a very typical thing to do, particularly with action shows, when you get into a second season where you have the hangover episode to pick things up. It's not my favorite thing because it does lead to that slowness that Pete is pointing out where everybody is grappling with their own emotional intensity, the weight of their actions. Do they still want to be heroes? And we're watching the show. We know there's going to be episodes beyond this. So it's, it's frustrating to me because it's not much of a conflict. You know that they're going to accept being a team again. So I understand we need to go through this thing, but to me, the episode really picked up in that first scene, which was creepy Great. and terrifying and Loved so good. the first scene. Very strong. And the last scene, despite the Mikey moment that made me bark with laughter, but bring Cindy back. Great song in the background. She's a really good villain. Eclipso has a pretty terrifying voice there. So those were the two big pops for me in the episode, as well as uh, also as a side note, I thought the Green Lantern Stargirl fight was great. That's so good. Thing. That's what I was going to say. I thought that was really excellent. I was surprised how great it was. That's kind of what I was waiting for, too, because the thing, the two things that went so hard, if I remember correctly, about the first season, one, the villains, very scary, very terrifying, very intense, and also understandable in the best villain way, but also the fight scenes were really well choreographed and good. So that that chunk, not those three scenes, kind of fell a little flat for me with some uh, pops here and there, but uh, I'll also mention I've watched the episode twice now, and I think mm. it worked better the second time through because I didn't have that weight of expectations. I was kind of able to speed through the slower parts of my mind a little bit. Did uh, you stop back into it. for for Pat's sick burn of like, you seem to be having a lot of those today. I thought Luke Wilson was pretty good at this episode. And I was, mean, the emotional stuff he's grappling with when he enters and he's like, Hey man, maybe don't go in that door. Yeah. Just truly so intense. The, so, the, the so stuff he's dealing key. with. Like, please don't go through that secret door where I have a giant robot. And that's like all he that does to protect that. Ludicrous. <laughs> well, and for for Luke Wilson to have a, a sidekick is quite a <laughs> a way to go down the road here. Yeah. What did you think though, Pete? I felt like when I saw that new character, that new mechanic character, that was like you walking on screen. The first time you really 100%. saw yourself on screen. You, you like really it? saw yourself there. 
I do like the improvements that he's going to be making to uh, the robot for sure. I mean, you need to get some kind of uh, weapons on there if you're going up against these bad oh, guys. Well, you got to get a flamethrower there. Come <laughs> on, man. <laughs> it is great. He should put down the banjo so he can actually use some mechanic stuff. <laughs> the fact that he's holding that. I feel like he's going to come in and just be the, like, Cyrano de Bergerac uh, for Pat. Like, mm-hmm. hey, Mikey looks hungry. Here's um, four uh, <laughs> bags of Oreos. Could you feed these well, to your son? Well, speaking of, like, hungry, it was cool to see Grundy gets down on some chicken. Like that, like that was super cool of our man to like leave out all that fried chicken for Grundy. Yeah, that was real cool. Well, let's talk through some individual storylines then, because we are jumping all over the place a little bit. Sure let's talk are. about Rick. The big thing he is dealing with is this Grundy thing. Um, I liked the idea that Grundy is sort of becoming his pet. That seems a natural extension of what happened in the previous season. And I think that's a good direction for him. What do you guys think? I mean, put yourself in Grundy's shoes, though. Do you want to be a pet? You would just find some food in the woods. Pretty soon you're hooked on Chicken. people's food. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm I'm this guy's pet. What did it's you think, to though, you about the morning DJs that were talking about him? I feel like they're kind of stealing our bit a little bit. Yeah, it's fucked up. You know, everybody wants a piece. And no one can be original anymore, so they, they should go out and do, live their own lives. That is um, one of my... Favorite, least favorite tropes in TV shows is somebody turning on the radio or the TV and it gives you exactly the information you need. Yeah. And the DJ is being like, wow, there's like a big bear coming through eating these things. OK, well, anyway, we have no news and no programming for the rest of the day. Anyway, back to some unlicensed music because we can't play the hits. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. It is especially like. Anytime I turn on the radio, I'm like, this is not what I want at all. Yeah, I would be like, please, somebody give me some information I need. Yeah, it's tough to find it on the radio. Uh, but, yeah, I, it is one of those things where it's like, ha, 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 fun. You know, so it's not like it's it seems like a little winky. It's not kind of like, you know, so. And the other part of Rick's storyline is he his teacher doesn't believe that he is smart enough smart, to pass yeah. his test. Which I think is sending him directly to summer school. That's kind of where we're heading towards here with everybody for a fun 80s style romp. But what do you think is going on with that teacher? She seemed like yet another evil teacher mean, at the school. Yeah. Very mean. Well, I feel like she didn't get enough uh, screen time to be like a character character. She was just straight up mean to Rick. <laughs> Rick Tyler, my cousin. Mm-hmm. Like I just yeah. – uh, and it just made – it felt like the scene was about Rick being not at all good at covering his rage, his secret identity, anything. He will just ruin everything for almost no reason. The funny thing about him, just as an actor, uh, I've interviewed him before for the day job and they had like this media day uh, where he, the cast was there and they were chatting and also Jeff Johns uh, that I was – watching and he's very funny like he is the one who's constantly quipping about everything also luke wilson mind you and they're two of the most earnest serious characters of the show i feel like hopefully shows tend to do this over time particularly you know long-running shows but i feel like they gotta embrace that aspect of his character because the anger works and he's good at it but it's much funnier when he's in that alleyway at the beginning, and he's like, you want to check inside of the trash can? Yeah. 
It's Especially fun. like we, him being angry all the time. It's like that's not a character either. Like mm-hmm. he can be a person as opposed to just being like, "Why are we doing this? Uh, school all day? Come on!" <laughs> <laughs> it feels a little like, "Okay, chill, dude. You go to school every day." Let's talk about Beth's plot line because we get some big uh, developments uh, with her parents. Come on, who- dude. This is just too much. Her parents don't like her. Her parents have never liked her. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's just heartbreaking because poor Beth, her parents hate her. The one person who doesn't hate her died, and she's like, come back to me. It's heartbreaking. Now, you guys have glasses. Do you have this sort of same relationship with your your glasses? Like, it's really important. It's my only – my glasses are my only friend. I really No, the original owner of these glasses talks to me all the time. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> poor, poor, that's why you try on so many glasses. You're trying on voices and personalities. Oh, that's yeah, so cool. Right. I mean, I have perfect vision, so it's hard for me to understand. Oh, it's that. weird. You've never brought that up and rubbed <laughs> it in our face at all. It's an, it's an audio medium, so I'm not using my skills at all. Oh, but wow. um, I feel quick, like I as can... a bad eyeball haver. Haver, who said that? Which one of you said that? <laughs> I can't. Even talk. It's me, the fourth host. <laughs> Um, it is it's a little extreme to the point where it feels like Beth's parents are maybe getting a divorce because of her. <laughs> like straight oh, up. Don't say that, man. Like I mean it is like it's uh, it's so odd that it feels like it's purposeful. The mm-hmm. way they're so mean to her, they don't care about her. It does feel like they're getting a divorce. They're like, I can't be around this kid anymore. I, I gotta yeah. get out of here. And they're both like, yes. Amicable terms. Let's get away from this kid. One of us has to keep her. Oh no! Yeah, they're gonna get a divorce for Beth. Oh, come <laughs> Specifically. on, come on, man. That's and Beth too is very nice. She uh, is. is too hard. She's she's dorky, obviously, but she's yeah. just like trying to be so helpful. Jesus. I can't I, imagine somebody preparing food like that for me before I leave for the day. That's just magical. Yeah. The, and then the other thing, of course, is the goggles. There's a weird moment at the end there with Charles McKnighter popping in briefly, but not knowing who Beth is, oh. which is another rejection of her. Oh. Yeah. It's so sad. I hope, they, I hope they don't go the route of Beth ending up negative, you know, like all this stuff just waiting on her and not her necessarily going bad, but just... It turning her into a negative, sad person. Like she's allowed to go through emotions and arcs, but the thing that is so unique and fun about her is the way Angelica Washington plays her, which is this yeah. relentlessly positive person who finds the best in things. And I do like that. I think that's a nice mode for her to play. I feel like maybe what she'll learn this season is to choose who you need to care for and choose mm-hmm. who you need to um, be nice to like choose your friends basically and if her parents are not nice to her and other people choose are nice your to her goggles always choose your goggles mm-hmm. exactly choose your goggles and the, the goggles are like glasses for uh flying right mm-hmm. sure yeah they keep the flies out of your eyes nice it's a weird way of saying that i guess yolanda's <laughs> storyline let's move on to her well i'm glad she- that they're doing this because i you know it's it's always weird to me in shows or whatever or in comics when somebody kills somebody and then the next thing they're fine. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's, you know, it's I'm glad that they're ha- taking the time with this with this character because it's a big deal. I want a little more from Courtney and Yolanda in this storyline. Courtney has a moment where she says, you're my best friend and I'll always be there for you. Are OK? But I think purposefully 
Yolanda feels very isolated. She is the one who kills. Courtney doesn't know what actually happened with Brainwave, and it even feels like there's a moment where she is suggesting maybe there would have been a way out to not kill Brainwave. But the other thing going on there that we get to see a little bit when Yolanda goes to confession is it certainly seems like maybe Brainwave is still in her mind. Uh, Did you guys get that impression as well? I did get that impression or something. Something's up. Uh, I thought it might have been some early effects of Eclipso coming Mm. in. Like she's the most vulnerable because of that darkness she's dealing with. But it very well could be Brainwave as well. Yeah, like he kind of like launched an earworm or something Mm -hmm. as he was dying or something. A brainwave. Because uh, it's a bummer that they killed off so many members of the ISA. They were really fun, good villains. So it's very comic booky, but the show is very comic booky. I would love it if they brought him back. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if there's one thing I think we can trust this show is like having the villains be smart. Amy smart. um, Having the villains be. Very intense, very scary, and constantly fucking with our teens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure we'll get there. And th- let's move over to Courtney, because obviously she's the star girl of the show. Oh, yeah. Come on. What did you think about her plot line here and everything that she goes through? What moments jumped out to you? Pete, you're yeah. nodding your head no? You didn't like it? Well, it's, she's kind of like strung out on fighting crime, where she's just like... Uh, you know, if that thing lights up, she's there, but she's not really kind of like aware of her actions or when there, it's too much or, you know what I mean? Like she stays up all night, like going through files that, you know, aren't helping. So it's just one of those things where it might come up later and it's good reason she went through all those files. But I just think that it's like it's tough to see her. Uh, um you know, kind of in a bad place, but I think hopefully it'll help lead once she gets kind of a handle on things, then her team will start to get better as well. But uh, yeah, it's it, like I said, it's a tough start for this new season. Everybody's she, not doing well. She has a new passion, crime fighting. It's a lot of the same way we came into podcasting. We got mm-hmm. really into it. We had to be doing it all the time. Um, and then we really relax into a comfortable balance between podcasting and the rest of our lives. <laughs> right, Pete? We did? We did? Oh, we haven't just... technically gotten to that part yet. Oh, but, okay. All right, all right. But anytime my little microphone lights up, I'm like, time to <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Guys, we have to go podcast. Uh, I oh, Go ahead, Justin. I was going to say, I do think um, her story got a little bit of, uh, felt a little backseat, or at least Mm -hmm. it was just the little bits of it setting it up. We didn't get to spend a ton of time with her outside of the fights, um, which I thought were great. So um, more of that. But I do want a little bit more of like, she's a full person as opposed to this uh, almost cheerleader for fighting crime. Yeah, I really like the summer school setup. I think that's a perfect place to put her and everybody else and base things around uh, like how the first movie, first movie, the first season was really based on 80s movies and back to the future and uh, things like that. Uh, This is a fun place to put it also in terms of some capers and shenanigans and things. I almost Mm. wish that twist came towards the beginning of the episode 
And then we could have dealt with them all being in summer school and get that set up there of whatever that is like. I think that would have been a little more fun. And we wouldn't have had that hangover nature necessarily of the episode. I mean, when it comes to Courtney, though, I did. And I was surprised about this because I think not that this was my least favorite part, but this felt like the least interesting part of season one. I thought the family scenes were a lot of fun. Just everybody hanging out. Luke Wilson, Amy Smart, Mikey. Courtney, when they're talking about their family vacation, I thought it was very cute. Maybe I'm turning it to Pete, but them, what, what were they chanting when Amy Smart was like, family trip, family oh, yeah, trip, yeah, something that like that? Very, very normal. It happens very all the time in my family. Yeah. Everybody's dancing around and singing and stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, so what happened to Amy Smart and, uh, and our boy Luke? They're just Let- nice again. Lake House. Totally... I think they were chanting. Oh, Lake, Lake House, Lake House, Lake House, or, or Yellowstone. Right. I don't know. Was oh, Yellowstone. It was Yellowstone. Yes, you're right. Um, all great, 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 great chance. <laughs> I was. I got excited about the mention peanut of Lake brittle, House. Peanut brittle. Peanut <laughs> brittle. I got excited about Lake House because I was like, oh, they're gonna do a Lake House episode. You know? Oh yeah, Magic Mailbox. Yeah, that'd be great. You mean you mean the movie, The Lake House? Is that what you're trying to talk Pete about? Loves right that now? movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Keanu I know. Reeves, I love seeing. I love seeing Keanu just not doing almost anything. I love him just standing and talking. I think when people think of Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock, either separately or as a pair, the Lake House is the Lake movie House. they think of. First well, thing. One, of the re- one of the reasons he's so angry in John Wick is because of the mailbox. It's the same character. <laughs> it's the same character. The mailbox as- is the same character? Yeah, <laughs> they recast the mailbox. <laughs> That's my conspiracy theory. Like the mailbox from Lake House is in John Wick. I know it. Every John, look for it. Look, everybody, look for it. It's out there. Mm-hmm. You have that four-hour video on YouTube about it, right? Exactly. God, it's like my voice was so hoarse after there was so much shouting mm-hmm. about it. Very loud. Very explaining aggressive. that plot to Lake House. Who Sandra Bullock is? So Barb and Pat are much better. They figured things out towards the end of the season. They were fighting, but then once they got past the fact that the secrets and and Barb's life was threatened and then she was saved by Pat and Courtney, they seem pretty cool with everything. Barb is on board. She knows about the secret identity. It's funny because... Uh, not funny, but I think that gets to the dynamic from the Stargirl comic book where everybody knows exactly what's going on. So... I think that's what they were trying to get to. Well, I'm curious what Barb's story is going to be. I don't think they'll mm-hmm. go to any sort of split between her and Pat again this season. So what's her? The obviously oh, Mikey's well, I like. I got it. I got it all. Mm-hmm. It's Pitch very us. clear if you're paying attention. What what it's going to be is Barb is going to track down those two old racist grandparents and she's uh, yes. going to murder them in the streets. I love in the streets. <laughs> wow. I love seeing them again. They were so Oh, my great. God. Why are they still there? It was very funny to have them be like, hey, let's kill there? someone. It's like, whoa. <laughs> You're just old Norwegians or whatever. Yeah. I wonder I wonder how Norwegians who watch the show feel about this, where they're like, that's just how we talk. We talk like that, and we look very stoic. That's who we are. But to us in America – it's terrifying, oh and that's God. why yeah, we're, we're like, that's happened. a villain. Yeah, we're in a war with Norway, as we all know, and have been for most of our lifetimes. And it's don't 100%. Forget, don't forget about the war that we're fighting against creepy dolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's like if sharks are hanging out, they're not like, we're scary. Right. They're like, we're a shark. We're just, yeah, we're just, just I'm are. just doing my thing, doing my shark yeah. thing. 
Hey, does that surfer look like a seal? I don't know. Let me just bite it. That's what sharks think. <laughs> Only one way to find out, you bite it. Let's talk um, about the... Go ahead, Justin. I was just going to transition, so you do yours. No, I was going to transition, too. Let's see if we're going to transition to the same thing. Let's say it at the Great. same time. One, two, three, star Mikey. Man. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Same idea, because we all know Mikey's a future star man. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought it was so weird having Mikey be like, Hey, Dad, how's about I get a magic uh, light bulb or something, huh? Like, what if I got a gun with a, that shoots um, uh, radiation or something? I don't know. I, I know we talked about this with the first season, but there was such big co-workers vibes from that scene with Mikey and Pat when he came in. Even the music was sitcom, like... Oh, 100%. He's a Kramer. from work. Hey, paper route. Come this on, paper you route scales me. <laughs> <laughs> Pat 100% is the uh, stiff, clean part of the odd couple, and Mikey's the best. Uh, Back 100%. to his paper route. Can't hold down a job, can't pay the rent, constantly getting them into shenanigans. But uh, what, what are we, what's going, what's going to happen with Mikey? The fact that he was the, the photograph at the end. You better not join the, the bad guys team. It's going to be too much. <laughs> well, I hope he does. I think he is. I yeah. think he 100% will. That's a crazy thing to do if they're just going to be like, nope, that's it. Just an idea. I think <laughs> we wanted Mikey but are going to team up and be their own kind of like special unit. Leaving out Pat? God, why do you hate Pat so much? Oh, my God. You watch your mouth. Um, I, I really hope Pat gets to punch somebody out this season because uh, I, you know, that's a fun, you know, that just to go back to that part and oh, there's yeah, a bunch back. of memes. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of memes of it that doesn't get old watching. So, I'm, do I'm you want Zeke to to be with Amy Smart? Because Zeke, is oh, you no, you watch. Come on, like because Zeke is, is sort your, of the you. Yeah, it's no. the in, your insert character. Nope. He's like, you know what you need? A flamethrower in this hand. And you need someone to, uh, a real man to be with your wife. A man like, <laughs> a man like Pete LePage in hey, Philadelphia. Lisa piped out there, sir. <laughs> oh uh, stereotypical uh, car mechanic here. <laughs> um, but like Mikey, I think he is going to. I yeah, think he's going to be a bad that guy. That was the total indication. I don't know why they think he would be a good recruit for the ISA or anything like that, but that was her trump he's card. He's got inside knowledge of their house. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's What the, is he going to be? Everybody else is totally clear. They're going to get young fiddler. They're going to get young sportsmaster slash Tigris. They're going to get young uh, icicle. Uh, and then what is Mikey exactly? Aspiring because- stand-up comedian. <laughs> Mikey is the Hey, my the paper mold. route. I got to do a weekend at the Chuckle Hut. How am I going to do this fucking he paper knows, route at the like, same time? like, when they're going to be, is like, oh, okay, this is the perfect time to attack when she's this and Pat's over here. Uh, yeah, he's But gonna- why? What is the motivation there? That he doesn't get a robot suit, so he turns evil? What's his skill set? He's useless. <laughs> he has the truck, and that's it. He couldn't even make a volcano out of chocolate or whatever. <laughs> and that's easy. Everybody can do that. Real quick, let's talk about Starman because that's an intriguing yes. scene there. So Joel McHale does show up again, goes to a diner, and he is tracking down not Pat, but Maggie, Pat's ex-wife. We knew she was out there somewhere, potentially, because he has a kid with her named Mikey, who we were just talking about. But what does... <laughs> First of all, is this the actual Starman? Is this the actual Sylvester Pemberton? And either way, what does he want with Maggie? 
yeah, this was such a, a mystery. I To throw this in the middle of the episode, I was like, oh, weird to see him. Weird he has a whole other plot line, and we don't know anything about it. I got to think he's tracking down something that he um, left behind, essentially. Maybe he there's another cosmic rod he's going to have or something like that so that he can get back in being – what are you laughing about? He can get back to being Starman. I don't think well. there's an extra cosmic rod just laying around. Well, let me throw this out to you. In the comic book Starman, which um, a lot of this sort of sprang from, uh, there are many cosmic rods. Oh. The one that um, that Courtney has was sort of the final form, but um, uh, Ted Knight built, uh, I want to say, like six or seven rods that different people have. And Sylvester Pemberton in the comics um, didn't even have a rod for most of his time. He had a belt that allowed him to fly. So oh. I feel like he's going to end up having some sort of uh, piece of technology that lets him do something. And the other cosmic rods were less sophisticated as, uh, than the one that Courtney has. One could just shoot stuff. One was mostly for flying. Like it's, he's a scientist. So of course they're going to be um, bad or worse versions. But I, I want to get some back to something Alex mentioned that the fact that like he seemed different this time back, almost not like it wasn't Starman because he wasn't acting very Joel McHale like like he was in the first time that we saw him. Yeah, the, the first season. season he was in front of a green screen making fun of talk shows, right? So that's no, how yeah. he no, was talking no, Joel McHale. No, Here no, he no. wasn't. So I think he's playing a different character. Yeah, but he was a little bit more Joel McHale in, mm-hmm. uh, in in the times that we had. he was busting balls, he was having some fun. This you think he's going to go back to community? Series. He's going to go back to community college? No, no, I in don't think that season. What do you think he Summer ordered school? at the diner? I mean, he got the chicken fried steak, but do you think he got the soup? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> in any case, oh, it's, uh, I'm kind of with Pete on this. I think. There's a possibility that he is some other villain masquerading as Starman. We get a bunch really? of them. Well, we get a bunch of them mentioned by Courtney as she's going through the JSA files. Yeah, we hear about Perdigaton a couple of times. Bunch we of find time. out he was banished by the Flash to an alternate dimension. We know that John Wesley Ship as the Flash is going to show up later in the season. I believe it's going to be a flashback and not like a time a travel flashback. Thing. I get it, but. We hear Perbegaton mentioned then, and then later on in the episode as well, Courtney very rightly mentions that if he's a time traveler, even though they beat him, he could be anywhere. So yeah, that's I possible. don't. Please, no time traveling. There's already so much happening in this episode. Don't add time but traveling. I will though. say, Jeff Johns loves Perdegaton, like uses him all the time in his JSA run. It seems like the sort of thing that would tie into legacy for Stargirl. Maybe not this season, maybe next season, but I could see some sort of reveal where this Starman is not actually Starman, but actually Perdigaton in disguise or something like that. Elaborate disguise. Yeah. But, and those for listening, Perdigaton is basically like a Nazi version of Kang from the Marvel universe, just floats around on a platform, travels through time and hates the JSA. I think that's fair, right? The yeah. other ones that are mentioned, just to throw them out there, Blackbriar Thorn, we find out was taken down by Green Lantern, Baron Blitzkrieg, Gentleman Ghost, who is a very fun, very weird villain. So we hear about all of those, as well as the ISA members. But Pergamon seems the best suspect to be. And we're getting Shade, uh, I think, yes. we, uh, That's very the soon creepy this season. That's doll, right? No. No. What the, the fuck? 
The, so the creepy doll at the beginning, that's an Eclipso scene. We didn't really, we kind of blasted past that, but we see a young kid who clearly has been taken over by the Black Diamond. Eclipso is a being who is trapped inside of the Black Diamond. Essentially, what he does is tempts people, and then when they cross the line, he sucks their souls, is pretty much it. So that's he's exactly what he's doing to that kid, who I believe is, I mean, certainly related to Charles McKnighter, probably his daughter or something like that. It's right on the mailbox. Again, yeah. the mailbox is telling the story. Because oh, the mailbox is what's up. You guys don't even know. Listen, no, listen. Dude, I'm just saying, back to John box. Wick's dog lives in a mailbox. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's nuts. That's the only so, time John So yeah, the thing with the doll dog is that's just showing exactly. a little bit of corruption of Calypso. If you saw the face was burnt yeah. on one side, the same way the kid's face kind of gets corrupted. That's what Eclipso looks like. He looks like an eclipse on his face. He's he's like a big jacked elf man with an eclipse on his face. Yeah, the hat uh, the Eclipso wears is dumb. I'm curious that <laughs> yeah, they're. I'm hoping they're not going to put that little like skull cap on him. But mm-hmm. it's a truly a total eclipse of the face. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Bonnie Tyler, Rick Tyler's aunt. Nice. <laughs> All right, before we get to our final section here, any other moments you want to call out from the episode? Um, Well, I I just want to say I loved that beginning scene. Um, I feel like the horror, it felt like a a horror movie short. And the Mm -hmm. fact that we're getting that feels like they're like, I know we don't have a lot of villain stuff happening in this episode, but here's the kind of stuff we're going to be doing this season. Very cool. One Um, of the movies I'll mention that uh, Jeff John said he was inspired by for the season, or at least they looked to, was Nightmare on Elm Street. And you can really get a feel of that, I think, in the first scene. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what scares me is that we're we're heading down a path that's uh it's gonna be creepier than maybe we're ready for. And I'm curious how Green Lantern, how uh Jade, uh, I'm assuming, is going to play mm-hmm. in here. Um that was great. Um it feels like she will be a leader on the team and make Courtney mad mm-hmm. <laughs> because Courtney's the leader. And I think all the other heroes will maybe go toward Jade because she has more experience and Courtney's like, but I kick a lot. So, okay, let's just have Jade be in charge. Let let me ask you guys, if you live in a small town, um, do you think that like all the townspeople do headshots and then like pass them out to each other? Or how do you think like the small town gets their headshots done uh, so that evil people can kind of collect this? Well, you have to audition to be a neighbor. Oh, right, right. Uh, hello, uh, I'm Justin. I'm here for the part of your neighbor. Um, I'd like to start with um, a hedge clipping. Job, <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. I really want this part. I've already oh, bought the, the house. the resume is not stapled on the back. I like it when the staples uh. line up on the resume and it's, it's not. Wow. That's some old school acting shit right there. Uh, really, that's not the way it's done anymore. Nope. Definitely not. All right, I think we can wrap up then. Before we do, well, though, I, w- I would just like to say, uh, classic uh, Pete. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> you know we got some great shots of the Buick in this. Uh, I was happy about that. Uh, Pat doing some classic dad stuff. The whole like principal's office awkward thing where he was trying to cover for court and then brought up cat fighting was like, ooh, that's not good. Uh, that was just like it's fun to see him kind of like dad it up. And have those kind of like uh, uh, in between moments. So you know, I, I you know, Pat deserves a lot of kudos. Yeah, I guess he does have dad energy at some point in this show. 
Oh, that actually reminds me of a fact that, Pete, I think you're going to like a lot. Uh, Again, at this media day, Luke Wilson mentioned that he was filming in Atlanta for DC Stargirl. You know what else was filming in Atlanta for a month was Loki. So Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson shared a house together for a month and lived together. Oh, come on. That's just that's just nice. Yeah. Would you is that your ideal living situation? You, Luke Wilson and Owen Wilson and maybe Wilson, the volleyball. I mean, that's a lot of Wilson, but yeah. You should audition to be their neighbor, Pete. You would crush (laughs) that. Um, One more thing I want to say, actually. On the marquee, when they're walking through town, we get The Adventures of Mark Merlin, Mm -hmm. um, which I thought um, is a a DC character, a very random DC character, and an odd one to put on there, I thought. They did last season do a similar thing with the marquee and the posters outside, where it was a bunch of, I think there was like a Challengers of the Unknown poster or something like that. So it could be a tease for something coming up, or it could be a way of them throwing in another old school DC reference either way. Yes, um, I I agree with you. But this one felt very esoteric. Challengers of the Unknown, I feel like Jeff Johns Mm -hmm. loves those characters. So I was like, oh, that's just a cool thing for him. Mark Merlin was like a magician from who like was around in the like I want to say 50s but yeah. never was part of like the superhero universe by any means. So I'm curious what that is that a nod to um the wizard or some sort of the, any of those older villains from last season coming back or what? I don't know. Yeah, I guess we'll see. All right, let's wrap it up, though, and talk about who we thought the star of the episode was. Pete, who was the star of the episode? Ooh, that's tough. I mean, you got to go with Amy Smart. Uh, you know, the way uh, that she, you know, lights up a room. Stone. Yellow yeah, Stone. <laughs> Great Lake to see her back. Lake, Lake House. Lake, Lake House. House. Family trip. Family <laughs> trip. It's great to see her back. Mikey. Uh <clears throat> I guess I would um, – great. Obviously, I think everyone agrees she was sort of the star of the show, uh, Pete. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, she truly is the star girl. Um, I, I guess I want to give it up for the introduction of Jade. I thought that was a great uh, moment. I'm looking forward to see how she joins the team um, and makes problems slash friendships with Courtney. I yeah, Jade was great. That action scene was great. I think I'll give a shout out to Beth though in this episode. Nice. I always really like Beth. I think she had the most what? You're nodding no. She's just she's such Come a on, dork. Dude, she's going through a lot. Yeah, yes. she gets the most emotional storyline. Yeah. I thought the shot of her sitting with the dinner alone. Oh, so sad. So it is that's definitely sad. Oh, <laughs> That's what um, your kids do when you guys aren't home yet. Maybe I mean, just Beth they... Chapel, the real person, will listen to this podcast and feel a little bit better about things, you know? Aww. That's really nice. You glasses people all stick together. Who said that? Which one of you said that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the ghost. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Stargirl. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, follow, and listen to the show at StarGuysPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, StarGuys out. Eh, DJ stuff. Uh, make sure you change, change your uh, refrigerator. <laughs> oh, that's the thing you need to remember to do. <laughs> DJ stuff. 
Oh my god. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.